Amen. Good to see y'all this morning. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us as we talk about the state of the church, 2019. But before we do that, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your love for us through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Lord Jesus, that you died to purchase for yourself a people from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. The Bible says that we are your body, your church, your bride, uh, the, the house that you are building together with living stones to be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We belong to you. We are your church. And so, Lord, I pray that um, as we reflect on what you have done and look to what you're going to do, oh, Lord, I pray that in it all we would be obedient, we would be faithful, we would be faith-filled with joy and hope and expectation of what you desire to do in us and through us. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this morning, what I want to do is two things. I want to walk through uh, this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 and just kind of look at it verse by verse, explaining what Paul is uh, teaching to the church at Ephesus about what it means to be Christ's body, how we are to function as Christ's body, and what our goals are as the people of God in building one another up as a church. Uh, and, then, and then finally, of course, how we attain that goal. So we're going to walk through that, this Ephesians 4 passage and then after that, what I want us to do is just re- reflect uh, brief, br- briefly on, uh, on last year and uh, where we are as a church and, uh, and, and prayerfully, uh, Lord willingly, how we can move forward this year to be a more effective and fruitful for Jesus Christ. But first, let's look at our text. So uh, if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We read from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The Word of God may be seated. So the first thing I want us to do this morning 
is to just walk through this uh, passage in <clears throat> Ephesians. Paul is addressing the church at Ephesus. And uh, in the, the beginning part of chapter 4, he is appealing to the church to be a unified church. We are one uh, body. There is one hope, uh, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are one people that belong to the one God and Father of Jesus Christ. And, and so he's establishing who we are as God's people, uh, that we, we are one people who belong to Jesus Christ. And not only that, but how do we function as this one people who belong to Jesus Christ? Well, well Paul tells us, and then in, in verse 11 here, and, and, and point number one, is he says that some within the church are given uh, to lead and to teach. Some within the church are given to lead and to teach. It says he gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, in the same, uh, in a different uh, book, Paul, uh, he, he's, ta- he's talking about, in the context of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that all of our exercise of the gifts is supposed to be to, uh, he says, to strive to excel in building up the church. So that means that one of our main goals as Christians is to be building up the church. And that's what he's given some people to do, he says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, verse 12, for the building up of the body of Christ. And notice here in verse 11, it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. The those whom he, God has placed in this role are gifts from God. It has been given to them. A certain calling and ministry, has, they have been appointed to that role. And it is especially clear if you look in the life of the apostle uh, Paul. You know, he was on the road to Damascus and he received this heavenly vision and it changed his life. And this calling that he received to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, it governed every future act of his life everything he did was to fulfill that singular calling that he was given by God this group of individuals is given by God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry uh, the, the one that we're most familiar with there in verse 11 is it says the the shepherds and teachers uh, really you could think of, in the original language it's, it's presented more as one office you could say the shepherd teacher the, the shepherd slash teacher, which is what we like to call the pastor, right? And so I believe that I have this calling from God to be a shepherd teacher that was given to me. I I didn't necessarily anticipate it. I didn't really see it coming. I believe God, it was given it to me, and that was affirmed by the church that ordained me, and it was affirmed by you when you called me to be the pastor of this church you're affirming that you're affirming that God has given me and, and, and certain other people this role this responsibility to be an under shepherd under the lordship of Jesus Christ to lead this body of, of 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 believers in Jesus Christ in the path that Christ wants us to take and this is given by God and so it's just it's, it's important for us to understand and for us to see that we are, every person has a role, and some people he has given this role. And so my, my desire, my earnest longing for us as a God's people, as the people of Cottondale Baptist Church, is for us to know Christ more, for us to, be, to, to pursue him more. God has done uh, great things over this past year. But, of course, we, we, can, never, <laughs> we can never be content 
we just simply where we have been and where we are, but we always are looking forward to more and more what God has for us. Right? We always want more of God. That's, that's what heaven is. Heaven is eternal. And heaven, even though it's eternal, it won't be boring. Why? Because we cannot exhaust God. And the more we pursue Him, and the more we run after Him, and the more we know Him, the more joy and, and, and glory we'll experience. And so our question this year, and my question, my, my, my desire as, the, as the, the pastor of this church is for us to think critically and ask earnestly, how can we run harder than we ever have for God after this year? How can we be more obedient, more faithful, more courageous, more jealous, more wise, more prudent, more uh, uh, courageous for Him? How can we burn hotter with passion for God's glory than we ever have before? So some are given to lead and teach, Paul says, but all are called to serve. That's what it says in verse 12. It says he... He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What this means is that the work of the ministry that Paul is talking about is clearly not just for the few people that he's called to lead in this way. It's not just for them. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for the, it's for the saints, he said. Now, uh, uh, you, you most likely know that the way Paul uses the word saint, he's not talking about some unbelievably super spiritual person that we put saint in front of their name. The, the word in Greek is simply the noun form of the adjective holy. In other words, a saint is a holy one. And in Paul's understanding, if you read his letters, you'll see that when he uses the word saint, who's he talking about? A Christian. If you are a Christian, according to Paul, you are a saint. You are a holy one. It's not a special class of people. If you have been saved by God's grace, you are a saint. You are a person who has been called from death to life. You are a holy one. You are a person who has been saved out of an old way of living into a new way of life. You are a person who has been called out of the world and set apart by God to be used for him, a useful instrument, vessel in his hands for his glory. You are a saint if you know Jesus. And so what Paul is saying is this ministry then is for all saints. It's for all believers. It's for all followers of Jesus Christ. The ministry is for all of us. He gave some, uh, Paul says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know, and this, it's important to understand that because sometimes it's tempting for whatever reason to say things like, well, you know, that's the pastor's job. Well, that may be true, but that means if it's the pastor's job, it's also your job. We're, you're a saint too, right? You're a Christian too, right? You have the Holy Spirit too, right? You can love people. You can serve people. You can visit people. You can make phone calls to people. You can, you can take meals to people. You can see a need and say, I'm not going to ask someone else to meet that. I'm going to meet that. You can embody Jesus Christ. Because why? Because you're a saint. You're a holy one. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. The work of the ministry, Paul says here, is for everyone to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The joy, the joys of Christian service is not just for the pastor or for certain leaders in the church. It's for everyone. Think about it. Jesus, when the night, the night he was betrayed... 
he washed the feet of his disciples. And Peter didn't want him to do it. But Jesus said, unless you let me do it, you have no part in me. And, he said, and then he said, you call me master and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. But then he said, but I am among you as one who serves. You see that? Jesus, Jesus was the, a leader. He was the leader, but he served by his leading. And so these people that God has given to, and I would say me included, my, I would say the, the service that God has called me to is helping lead and shepherd the church. In other words, every Christian serves. The question is, what is the means of your service? What is the type of service you are called to? I have a service that I'm called to. What is the service you're called to? What's your ministry? What part do you play in this body? That's the question all of us have to ask. Why do we do? Why are we equipped for the work of the ministry? In in second half of verse twelve, there it says, "For the building up of the body of Christ, we have to build each other up." Again, Paul said to in in First Corinthians fourteen one to strive to excel in building up the church. We need each other. We have a ministry that is given to, each of us has a ministry that is given us by God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a ministry given you by God, a charge, a calling. Just as sure and as clear as Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, God has called you to something so that you can build up God's people because we need each other. We need each other to speak and, to, and to, to minister to us so that we can grow together, so that we're strengthened in our walk together. And what is the goal of this strengthening? He says it in verse 13. He says, uh, well, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until, until what? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's two, there's two things that we are pursuing as we build up one another as a church. The first is the unity of the faith. We are one in Jesus Christ. We work and we labor to love one another in this church and in this church body. Love, the Bible says, covers a multitude of sins. We take pains. We work to guard the unity of the church. We don't listen to other people's backbiting and complaining about others. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't gossip. We don't slander. If we have a problem with somebody, the first person we talk to about it is that person. Amen. Okay? We, we fight for the unity of the faith. We build each other up. That's why we exist, to build each other up in the unity of the faith, Paul says, so that we stand one before the world, so that we show that Jesus Christ makes a difference in the world. The church split, I think, is the saddest thing that could possibly happen on, under heaven. Because if the people who have the Holy Spirit of the living God cannot get along, then what, how, can, how can Jesus Christ save if two believers can't get along? What does it tell the world about our Christ if we can't get along? The unity of the faith, Paul says... And we strive for the knowledge of the Son of God. Now think about this. I want you to think about the, the flow of thought here. Paul says we're building each other up. We equip for the work of the ministry so that we build each other up. He says to attain the knowledge of the Son of God. What does that mean? This is what it means. You cannot know Christ as you ought 
without other Christians in your life. That's what it means. So many people think they can sit at home and know God and never fellowship with other believers. You can't. Because Paul says it right here. If we're not building each other up, we cannot attain to the knowledge of the Son of God. The goal, one of the primary goals of being a believer is to know Christ more. The more, and not just, I'm not talking about know your Bible more. I'm not talking about know a bunch of spiritual facts. I'm talking about know the person Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you cherish him? Do you talk to him? Does your relationship with him tangibly change your life like your relationship to your spouse changes your life? Your relationship to your kids change your life. Relationships change your life. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and does that relationship change you? Do you know him? And one of the ways that one of the primary ways we know him more is by seeing him in the lives of others. By coming to the fellowship of the saints regularly weekly gathering together to hear God's word preached, to pray together, to sing God's praises together, to minister together. Together we come to knowledge of the Son of God. And to what degree are we to attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? He tells us, verse 13, it says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we're on a journey We're building each other up. We're exercising our gifts in ministry to build up each other so that we are a unified church and so that we are a church that is increasingly growing in our knowledge of and obedience to and love for Jesus Christ. And we are to do that and keep doing it until we attain, Paul says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We don't keep serving others and serving Christ until we are like Jesus. We don't give up. We don't stop. We don't quit. And, and you can say, well, Chad, that's impossible. Well, in this side of heaven it is. But one day it's going to be finished. It's going to be complete. Jesus is going to make us new. The resurrection of the body. Life everlasting. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it lets us off the hook now from running as hard and as fast as we can to get as close as we can to Jesus Right now, we run hard, we push, we cannot stop pursuing our Jesus because the more we treasure him now, the more we treasure him later forever. We keep building each other up. We, we, don't, we never presume that we're fit. We ne- we never, since we never arrive, we can never stop traveling. We're always walking closer to Jesus. How do we do this? How do we... How do we build each other up in this way? Verse 15, Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So, how do we do this? Paul says that we speak the truth in love. That's what has to happen. We speak the truth in love. You see, the Christian life... Knowing Christ, loving Christ, obeying Christ, serving Christ, believing in Christ. The essence of the Christian life is one of faith. And the way faith happens is from hearing the truth and from believing the truth. 
And when a person becomes a Christian, they don't just believe it one time and they're done. Every day is a battle for faith. Every day is a battle for belief in Jesus Christ. Every day when we're trying to grow in our walk with Christ, the thing that we need the most is truth being spoken to our lives and us receiving that truth by faith. So the way that we grow together is by speaking the truth into each other's lives. For example, when you, when you come to church on Sunday, my desire is to preach God's word to you in such a way that, you will, that it will not be me speaking, but that it will be God speaking and that you will hear God's truth, that you will believe God's truth. And when you believe it, you'll be changed by it because we act on what we believe. And so another example is if I'm in sin and, and if I'm in sin and I'm a part of a fellowship, a family of Jesus Christ, what I need at that point is for someone, a loved one, someone who cares about me to come up to me and in love say, Chad, stop it. You're, you're sinning against God, you are, you're not believing his goodness at this moment. I need someone to speak the truth to me in love. That is our great need, and that is why we exist. That's why we exist as a church. When you go to the doctor, nobody wants to hear the doctor say that you got cancer, but if you have it, you don't want him to lie to you about it. You want to know. Well, if I have spiritual cancer, it may feel good for somebody to see it in my life and just ignore it. And they don't say anything to me about it, but I'm dying over here. And my greatest need, whether I know it or not, is for someone to come and speak the truth to me in love. But that cannot happen unless you are part of of the family of Christ, if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you're an anonymous Christian, if nobody knows you, if you come in on Sunday and walk out and, and you, you vanish the rest of the week and you're not part of any kind of small group, you're not part of any kind of relationship where you're actually having spiritual conversation about things, you're just totally anonymous, nobody can do that for you. And what's going to happen when you get in trouble? What's going to happen? Who's going to pull you back? Do you see? Do you see? We need each other. We have to speak the truth in love to each other. And that can only happen when we, when we take that risk. Yes, take that risk of allowing people to know us. You say, Pastor, I got problems. I don't want everyone to know it. Join the club. So do I. Somehow the church has became this place where we whitewash ourselves and everyone thinks everyone else is perfect and therefore no one wants to share their problems. How did that happen? How did that happen? The church should actually be the place, the one place, where you actually you feel the most free to share your problems. Why? Because God came to deal with our problems in Jesus Christ. He came to forgive our problems in Jesus Christ. If we will be open and confess and say, brother, sister, I'm drowning over here. Please help me. But it, you only will get out what you put in if you, you only will get out if you enter into this community and open your life up to others. 
in some way, in a small group, Sunday school class, in prayer meeting, in a prayer group, in just a group of people that you say, hey, let's get together, let's talk, let's chat, let's have coffee once a week. Let's, let's, it doesn't matter how you do it. Open your life up to some follower of Jesus Christ and say, hey, we're going to walk this walk of faith together. We speak the truth in love. And how else do we do this? Verse 16. Paul says that the whole body says from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we speak the truth in love for us to grow and mature and be built up. But not only that, but for us to grow and mature and to be built up as we ought to be, both individually as followers of Jesus Christ and corporately as a church of Jesus Christ, what we need is for each part to be working properly. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What's Paul saying? It's Paul saying the church is a living, breathing organism. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And just like a body, Paul says... We need each other. We need each other. We are all individually parts of a greater whole. If you break your finger, it's not just your finger that suffers. The whole body suffers. Because it's painful and it hurts. And it now limits what the entire body is capable of. Just because one part's broken. Or to put it in another, another example. Your kidney It's just one part of your body. You even got two of them. But guess what? If one goes out, you're in trouble. If the second one goes out, you're in big trouble. Because guess what? It's just one part of your body. You could be perfectly healthy, but if your kidneys fail, you're dead. We, the church, can be perfectly healthy, but if one part is not functioning as it ought, everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. You see, that's what, this is the problem. When, it's one of the problems with our individualistic societies. If we think, we, we think what we do doesn't affect anybody else, it's not true. It's not true. What you do matters, and what you don't do matters. No, it's, when, it's, not, it's not when our kidneys are working just fine, we think about them, it's when they stop working that it becomes a problem. When we're not fulfilling the function that God gave us to fulfill in the body of Christ, we all suffer. And this is the point. As, as we talked about from this whole passage here, 
If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have been born again by the Holy Spirit of the living God and have been forgiven of your sins and welcomed into God's forever family, the Bible says that you have been given spiritual gifts, that you have a ministry, you have a calling, you have a place to serve in this body. Don't say you don't. Don't don't belittle the Holy Spirit who dwells in you by saying, I have nothing to offer this body. That's a lie. You have something crucial to give to this body of believers. You have something critical to give. The question is, what is it? And are you going to give it? Are you going to give it? Are you you just going to remain anonymous? Will we suffer from lacking of your ministry? Or are you going to say, I'm going to fulfill my function that God has given me in this body of Jesus Christ so that we will not be a lame church, but that we will run like an Olympic athlete for the glory of God. Amen. Where's your place of service? Where is it? Where's your ministry? Don't just, don't just ignore me here. Think about it, please. Think about it. Ask God. Ask him, God. How have you made me? How have you wired me? What are the needs that are around me? How can I give? Remember, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. How can I serve? What is my part in this body so that we, as a body of Jesus Christ, will run for his glory? You see, when we, when we speak the truth in love, when each part is working properly... Paul says, verse 16, it says it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, when every part is working properly, what happens? We grow. We grow. And I think the type of growth here that Paul has in mind, I, would, I believe, is, is, is spiritual growth. We grow in our walk with Jesus. We grow in our maturity. We grow up in our faith from, so that we no longer are dependent on others to feed us, but now we're asking, now who can I feed? We grow so that we grow up. We grow up. We mature past the place where we're like, we're like a baby that has to be spoon-fed, but we're, but we're a full-grown adult that are feeding others. We grow past the place where we're asking, where we're asking how, are, how, are, how can people serve me? And we grow up to the place where we can say, how do I need to be serving others? We grow up and we mature and we, we, we begin functioning as God has called us to function. And the Bible says we'll grow. We'll grow in our knowledge of God. We'll know him more deeply than we've ever known him. He'll become to us our dearest friend. When we think about his return, it'll bring tears to our eyes because it'll be our best friend coming back for us. We'll grow in our obedience to God. No, one, no one's going to have to poke and prod me to read my Bible, to pray to God, to fellowship with his saints. We're going to grow there because I want God. I want more of God, and no one's going to keep me from my God. We grow. We mature. And as we grow, and I believe that as we grow in those areas, as we grow corporately and individually in our knowledge and love and obedience to Christ, I believe we will grow numerically as people see christ in us they will be drawn to us and to our christ and we'll see this church grow not just spiritually but numerically 
So my question this morning is this. What is your place of service? Where would God have you serve? As I close this morning, I just want to talk briefly about a little bit about where we are as a church. Financially, we're strong. Praise the Lord. We're stable. But reality is that we're not, we're not growing. I'm not pointing the finger anywhere. If, I, if I'm going to point it anywhere, I'll point it at myself. But that's just reality. We had one baptism last year. One baptism last year. Attendance spiked near Easter, but it plateaued around, roughly around 70. We remained pretty steady in Sunday school. Okay? So we're stable. We're stable. We're steady. But see, we can't be content there. Why? Because every year that goes by is another year I get a gray hair in my beard. And so do you. And if we're not passing it on to others and to the next generation, guess what? We're stable now, but a church just closed last year. And they were stable at one time too. If we don't run, if we don't pursue, if we don't fight, we can find ourselves there. Lots of, good, lots of great things happened last year. VBS, Trunk or Treat, uh, lots of giving and Operation Christmas Child. Lots of things happen. And I'm, and I'm not saying all that, you know, the church, the church is not a business. I'm not here to count nickels and noses. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And that's what I've just been talking about is this. The most important numbers matter, and we're going to talk about that. But some of the most important things that happen in our lives, individually and corporately, are unquantifiable. They're intangible. And they're hard to measure. But the question that we need to ask ourselves, both individually and corporately, is this. Have we, last year, did we grow in our knowledge of love for and obedience to Jesus Christ? What do you think? Individually, you, and then corporately as a group. What do you think? Did that happen? Did I become a more mature Christian this year? Why or why not? Did I use my gifts in the service of God this year? Why or why not? Did I share the gospel more this year? You see, these are the questions that matter the most. Was 2018 for you a year of growth in the things that really matter? I'm not talking about your bank account. I'm not talking about your 401k. I'm talking about the things that really matter. Your life with Jesus Christ, did you grow in those things or not? And if you didn't, my question to you this year is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I believe in a good and faithful and merciful God. If last year wasn't what you wanted it to be, guess what? There's no better day than today to say, God, I want more of you. I might have wasted last year, but not this year. Not this time. Forgive me, God, and I'm coming after you in 2019. It's not too late. You can run after Jesus Christ this year. So that next year, 
when Pastor Chad, Lord willing, stands behind this pulpit and says, what happened to you in 2019? You'll say, God changed my life. It's possible. Why? Because we serve a great God. Because he who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. What are we going to do? Don't just hear me because I feel the temptation, don't you? You think about it. You think about, I want to do this, I want to do this. You think, we think, we think, we think. I do it. I think, I think, I think. But then we never do. This year, don't just think. Don't just say, I want to do that. Say, I'm going to do that. And here's how I'm going to do it. And here's when I'm going to do it. For Jesus Christ. Finally, let's take a brief look at some of our ministries this year. We have ministry to children. We have nursery on Sundays. We have, we, have, we have children's Sunday school. We have nursery. We have Wednesday night ministry where lots of kids in these community who doesn't know Jesus Christ come on Wednesday. And there's lots of changes that we need to make, and we need to have conversations about that. And if you want to be part of that conversation, uh, you can get with me, and we're, we're going to have conversations about that. But my question to you is this. Is our ministry to children a place where you can serve or better, or better yet, or be, a better, better question than that, why is, the, why is ministry to our children, a, why wouldn't it be a place where you can serve? Why wouldn't it be? Our kids are perhaps one of the greatest stewardship that God gives us. And it is undeniable that, it's, it's undeniable, statistics and everything, if you can reach a child while they're small, it's, it's, it's much, much easier than when they get older. We have ministries in need. We have opportunities here. You can hold a baby for Jesus Christ. You can change a diaper for Jesus Christ. You can tell a child who might have never been told this in any other context in their entire life that Jesus loves you, Jesus cares about you. You don't, you don't have to live the way that you see everyone else in the world going. You can follow Jesus Christ and be changed and make a difference in the world. You have something to give to this world. You can look kids in the eye and tell them that and give them a vision greater for their lives than they ever imagined for themselves. The same is true in our youth ministry. The same is true as there. Other ministries that we have. Uh, uh, WMU, Women on Mission. Lots of, lots of needs there, I'm sure. I'm sure I don't think uh, Vicky and Susan would mind if you say, hey, use me. I don't think they would mind. Uh, Brotherhood is a ministry right now that does not have a leader. Maybe in this room, there's a man who said, I never thought I could do that. But now, by the power of God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I do have a passion to see other men grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. No one is in that ministry. So you know what? I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Maybe it's you. Sunday school, small groups. We have, we, this whole sermon I talk about, we need each other. One of the best ways you could do that is to get involved in Sunday school. I'm about to get in trouble. You go to school, if you're a kid, you go to school, you wake up at six in the morning. If you're an employee, you go to work, you wake up at six in the morning. 
you can wake up for Sunday school. It's more important. Believe me. It's more important. Get to know other people. You see, this, this, this time is needed, but it's not the only time that's needed. Because why? Because you also need time not just to hear God's preach word, but you need time in conversation with other people about spiritual things. And that can only happen in a small group setting. And so make it happen. Make it happen. Get involved in a Sunday school. Start, start a Sunday school. Start a small group. Start one in your house. If you want ideas, I can give you ideas. But look, just make it happen. And the final thing I want to talk about is a ministry that we don't have. And that I believe is a serious need here. And I've been praying. And I've been praying that God would raise up somebody to own this ministry. To love it to see the value of it, to want to do it good and well for the glory of God and for the service of his people. And that is this. It's a, it's a hospitality slash greeting ministry. So that if a guest comes, you know, think about it. Right now, we have no set people outside the doors. There's lots of confusion things. You couldn't find a bathroom if you tried in this place, okay? You know it's true. If a, if a guest came up right now, you know, a guest came up, you know, right on time for, and there was nobody outside, you know what they do? They turn around and go to First Baptist. That's what I would do. I love First Baptist, by the way. I love it. But seriously, we can serve people by, by standing outside that door and saying, we've been expecting you. We've been expecting you. Let me show you around. Let me, let me introduce you to these people. Let me show you where you can take your kids. Let me show you that we care. That we're doing everything in our capacity to, to let you know that we're ready for you. I believe that's a great need here. And maybe somebody right here feels drawn to that, wants to own it, wants to do it well for God's glory. Pray about it. Think about it. Come talk to me about it. Finally, as we close, we're still going to have the Lord's Supper. I'm sorry about the length, but there's some things I think just need to be said. Finally, as we close, how can you apply? How can you apply this thing? I'm just going to reiterate what I've said this year. I'm just going to give you four things. It's a new year. It's a new year. Don't just roll into the same ruts that you've always been your whole life. Let me just give you four things that you could do this year that will change your life. Number one, read your Bible. We've got Bible reading plans on the table in the vestibule. We're, we're reading through the Bible right now, the whole Bible in a year. Read your Bible every day. Number two, join a Sunday school class or small group. Join, join one. If you're a Sunday school teacher, raise your hand. Okay, you know who you can talk to. You know who you can talk to. Join, read your Bible. Join a small group. Number three, develop a spiritually intentional relationship. Outside of church, outside of this building, find somebody, find somebody and say, hey, let's walk this walk of life together. Let's meet regularly. Let's talk about what we've been learning in the Bible. Let's read a book together. Let's pray together. Let's, let's, let's do something intentionally spiritual together so that it's just not me and my own on Sunday mornings, but that we're walking this life together. Do that. Find somebody. Pray about it. Go up to them personally and say, will you do this with me? Number four, 
find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Whether it's any type of ministry, whether it's with the children's, youth, Wednesday night, there's a need that's not being met, and you say, I can meet that need. I can lead that ministry. I can start that. Find a place to serve. Read the Bible, join a class, develop a spiritually intentional relationship, find a place to serve. I believe if you just do those four things, at the beginning of 2020, you'll say, my God, thank you for what you have done for me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your love for us through Jesus.